0: You're listening to The Whole Testament, a podcast putting the Old and New Testaments back together. In this episode, Dave's brother, Jim, serves us a delicious appetizer on going inside the tabernacle. All right. Welcome to the appetizer for Inside the Tabernacle, um, the next course that we'll be having as we go through the uh, articles of the tabernacle, the Mishkan, the temple and its meaning to us. Uh, Super honored to be here today to be able to do this appetizer with all of you. Uh, Just really have appreciated this podcast um blessed that it's my brother so i can elbow my way in every now and then and uh be in part of this and just happy happy to be here and you know before before i get started on this appetizer just want to encourage all of you if you're out there and you're listening to this or watching this and you have appreciated uh the whole testament podcast that you would pray for them uh like anything else uh, where uh, individuals are trying to be used of god sometimes the enemy will come against that uh, come against that with technology. Uh, come against that with um, timing and schedules and and just life trying to encroach upon you know what God might have uh, for us as as the, as they walk forward and um, bring truth and teaching and ex- life experience to us. So I just pray or ask that you will pray for the whole Testament if they continue to do this. Uh, but today we're gonna we're gonna start going into the tabernacle, into the uh, the tent, the Mishkan, the the temple. We're going to look at some uh, key components, or at least one uh, very interesting key component to that uh, today. But before we, before we get into that, something we really have to understand about the, the tabernacle, the, the tent that was in the wilderness, and then later the temple that was constructed uh, in Jerusalem, and ultimately a temple that will someday uh, come as Ezekiel had a vision, is that every one of these, uh, these structures, these, these places, these constructions were given by God. Uh, to the individuals who built them. And so just real quickly, I'm going to read some scripture here in Exodus 25, 8 and 9. Uh, this is Moses. Um, and this is what the scripture says. And let them make me a sanctuary that I may dwell in their midst according to all that I show you concerning the pattern of the tabernacle and of all its furniture, so shall you make it. So here's God giving Moses the plans for the tabernacle, which in Hebrew is the Mishkan. Um, uh, So God says to Moses, you need to make this exactly like what I am showing you. And so it is God's design, God's pattern, God's plan that is given to Moses and Moses fulfills here on earth. Uh, It's an important component. Later, David, uh, we read this in Chronicles 28, 12, 19, Um, 12 and verse 19, he gave him the plans for everything the spirit of the Lord had put in his mind. There were plans for the courtyards of the Lord's temple. There were plans for all the rooms around it. There were plans for the places where the treasure of God's temple would be kept. There were plans for the places where the things set apart for God would be kept. Verse 19, all this he made clear by the writing from the hand of the Lord concerning it, all the work to be done according to the plan. So David has a desire to build a house for the Lord and God tells him through the prophet, you're not gonna build a house for me because of the blood on your hands, but your son will. Uh, David here in this verse, he is given the plans by the spirit of the Lord, the Ruach HaKodesh, the Holy Spirit gives him plans for everything, the courtyards and the places where the stuff is kept. And David writes all this down. And at the end of his life, he gives it to Solomon with instructions to build the temple. So we got Moses given specific clear instructions in the beginning for the tabernacle, the tent that traveled with them for a very long time. David given clear instructions for the physical uh, stone and wood, uh, temple that would be built by Solomon. And then here um, in Ezekiel 43, verses 10 through 12, Son of man, tell the people of Israel about the temple. Then they will be ashamed of their sins. Let them think carefully about how perfect it is. What if they are ashamed of everything they have done? Then show them all the plans of the temple. Explain to them how it is laid out. Tell them about its exits and entrances. Show them exactly what it will look like. Give them all its rules and laws. Write everything down so they can see it. Then they will be faithful to its plan, and they will obey all its rules. Here is the law of the temple. The whole area on top of Mount Zion will be very holy. Kadosh. This is the law of the temple. So Ezekiel is given, and and, and Ezekiel, in his vision, he's actually like measuring things out, and he's taken all around and given uh, very detailed and specific plans for the temple. And as was talked about in a prior podcast, uh, this idea of when, when you tell the, tell the children of Israel, tell the people about this, they will be convicted of their sin. How does like the walls and, and the pinions and the, the, the length of the curtains and, and all, the colors and how does this convict us of sin? It's important for us to understand that the designs God has given. In fact, all of life, everything that we do, everything that we are, uh, God has given us uh, as a sign, as a symbol, as a shadow of the true reality of his creation and his plans and his purposes. In fact, I was just talking with my kids yesterday about why do we have to go to the bathroom? Uh, we have a new puppy in the house that, you know how that might go, to pot- potty training this puppy. Uh, but So we got to talking about that, and in, in just this teachable moment, we like, it's a picture for us. It's a picture for us that we have to take, we have to filter out the good things that are useful to us and the bad things that aren't. The stuff that comes upon us, we have to filter and sift. God has done the same thing in his temple, in his tabernacle. There is so much um, to unpack and explore as we approach this, this uh, structure where the dwelling of God is. Um, and so to get there, let's, let's listen or look, I'm going to look at here at Exodus, some of the designs of the temple and something very specific in the, in the tabernacle. Exodus 26, I'm going to read verse uh, one, then I'm going to read uh, 31 through 33. Moreover, you shall make the tabernacle uh, with ten curtains of fine twisted linen and blue and purple and scarlet with cherubim skillfully worked shall you make them. So, so this command of like colors and there's 10 curtains and in the curtains, woven into the curtains, are images. Cherubim, Cherubim, uh, 26, 31 through 33. And you shall make a veil of blue and purple and scarlet and fine twisted linen. In skilled work shall it be made with Cherubim, the Cherubim. And you shall hang it o- upon four pillars of acacia overlaid with gold, with hooks of gold, Upon four bases of silver, and you shall hang the veil from the class and bring the ark of the testimony in within the veil, and the veil shall separate for you the holy place from the most holy place. So here's another part of the temple, part of the tabernacle, another location where a veil is made. And many of us are familiar with this veil that separates between the holy and the most holy place. And on this veil also are images. Of cherubim, and we know that beside, behind the veil, uh, or if we don't know, there's plenty of, of scripture and teachings around this. Behind that veil, inside the most holy place, is the ark, the gold, covered in gold, overlaid with gold. The ark where the tablets and, uh, and Aaron's staff that budded and a jar of manna was kept. And and on top of that ark, the covering of that ark was solid gold as well. And what was carved or beaten out of a solid piece of gold on top was two cherubim with their wings touching over the center and their faces looking down into the ark. Two cherubim with their wings touching, looking down into the ark. In fact, uh, scripture tells us, that in Solomon's temple, you can read this in Kings and Chronicles, there were two cherubim 10 cubits high with wings touching from each end. So in Solomon's temple, the physical construction that Solomon built based on the the designs given to David by the Holy Spirit, there were two massive um, cherubim up above that one wing touched one wall and then came to the center where it touched the wing of the other cherubim and it touched the other wall. So as you would go through this you would come to the temple and coming into the temple were curtains and on the curtains were cherubim. And then you would go in through those curtains into the holy. And there was a veil between the holy and the most holy. And on that veil, cherubim. And as you would go through that veil or the high priest would go through that veil in Solomon's temple, two massive cherubim touching wall to wall and wing to wing. And then underneath them, Two cherubim on the ark with their wings touching, looking down uh, into the ark. And that, that is where God met with his people. Even in the tent, the tabernacle in the wilderness, which didn't have the large wall, the wall, but still had the ark and the veil and the curtains. Cherubim, cherubim, cherubim. And there is where God would meet with the people. So imagine, if you will, The pilgrim coming, as we are in our study, coming to this tabernacle and having this imagery, having this imagery. You know, today in modern uh, Jewish synagogues, uh, even in the congregation I'm a part of, that's messianic and and blends together, believes Jesus as the Messiah. uh, in, In the front of the synagogue on the eastern wall, not In the U.S., it's on the eastern wall because it faces towards Jerusalem where the temple would be, not the east necessarily, but towards Jerusalem where the temple would be, is an ark. A box of some ornate design typically and inside that uh, cabinet will be the scrolls the Torah scrolls uh, the first five books of Moses written many times hundred years I think ours is uh, 900 years old Um, and that Torah scroll is taken out of that ark and unrolled and read uh, as part of the service and then Presented, everyone can see, and then put back. And, and, and oftentimes there's a tradition, there's a blessing that happens when the, when the Torah scroll goes back into that ark. Uh, I'm not gonna sing it here for you, but it's Machasim kimba. Can't say it without singing it. Dar khe ha ve shalom Hashive'nu shivenu adonai ele gavena shuva amenu, karashamenu amenu kedem so when the art, the Torah is put back in the ark, this is sung by the congregation. And it says this, it's taken from two sections in Proverbs and one in Lamentations. It is a tree of life for those who grasp it and all who uphold it are blessed. Proverbs 3.18. Its ways are ways of pleasantness and all its paths are peace, shalom. Proverbs 3.17. Help us turn to you and we shall return. Renew our lives as in days of old, Lamentations 521. Um, sometimes that ark where the Torah scroll goes, when the door shut, there may be a cherubim, a cherubim on that ark. The Torah is referenced by Solomon in the Proverbs as a tree of life. In the center of the tabernacle, in the center of the temple, inside the ark. Are the words that God gave to Moses, indeed to His people Israel, and to all of us, and they are called a tree of life. So, to understand what's going on here, you know, when uh, Dave in the prior podcast talked about that that verse in Ezekiel, the verse in forty three ten, and you, son of man, describe to the house of Israel the temple and its appearance and plan, that they may be ashamed of their iniquities. Let's find out why that might be, and we have to go back all the way to the beginning to Genesis. This is in Genesis chapter 3, I'm starting at verse 21. The Lord God made garments of skin for Adam and his wife and clothed them. And the Lord God said, the man has now become like one of us, knowing good and evil. He must not be allowed to reach out his hand and take also from the tree of life and eat and live forever. So the Lord God banished him from the Garden of Eden to work the ground from which he had been taken. After he, after he drove them out, he placed on the east side of, the, of Eden cherubim and a flaming sword flashing back and forth to guard the way to the tree of life. Here we have in the very beginning when Adam and Eve have fallen, they have chosen to reject God's ways. They've chosen to reject God's plan. Uh, In the garden, there were two special trees. One was the tree of knowledge of good and evil and the other, the tree of life. Adam is never commanded to not eat of the tree of life. Eve is never commanded to not eat of the tree of life. God's design in the perfection of the garden, when his spirit dwelled with Adam and Eve in the cool of the day or in the wind, the ruach of the day, when God walked among them and they were perfect creations, they knew no shame, they knew no fault, they could partake of the tree of life and live forever It wasn't until they took of the tree of knowledge of good and evil, when they rejected God's way and sin entered the world through that one man, Adam, that God now says, we have to do something or they will take of the tree of life and live forever. And God's plan is to take man and woman, Adam and Eve, and he expels them out of the garden. He expels them out of the garden and on the eastern edge of that garden, he places a cherubim with a flaming sword, blocking the way so that Adam and Eve cannot return to the garden and eat the tree of life. Now, we need to understand that this sounds possibly uh, harsh, <laughs> that God is like, all right, you messed up. I'm done with you. Get out. But God's heart in this moment is man is now in a fallen state. Man is now separated from him and his will and his plan. We chose to reject to reject God's design and his will and his desire and to eat of the fruit to become like God, to know and it's desirable to grab and eat. We chose that. And God here in my opinion is being merciful because if we eat of that tree of life, we live forever in our fallen state. We had to face death to be renewed. And so imagine as Adam and Eve are taken out of this garden and they're, they're ushered, shoved, thrown, kind of like I imagine in my head, like those old Western movies where the two doors are there at the saloon and bam, the door flies open and a guy flies out. I imagine Adam being pushed, expelled out of the Garden of Eden and looking back. And as he looks back, what does he see? A cherubim, a cherubim. What is the cherubim doing? It's guarding the way, blocking him from returning to Eden and returning to the tree of life. Ugh, I I don't know if you see it. God in his design to Moses, says create this thing, this dwelling place where I will come and my spirit and my presence will be and there in the center of it, I will commune with you, I will speak to you, I will connect with you in this place. Put in the center of this place, these tablets, this tree of life that I have given to you, put it in the middle of that, cherubim, cherubim, cherubim. In the temple, he tells David, create the temple, here are the designs cherubim, 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 cherubim. He tells Ezekiel, cherubim, cherubim, cherubim. And in the center of the temple, in the center of the tabernacle, the most holy place where God meets with us, where his Torah, his scripture, his word, his tree of life is. This is the way back to Eden. As Adam is expelled out of the garden and looks back and sees that cherubim, every pilgrim that approached the tabernacle knew That. Moses knew that. We can see that imagery of the cherubim blocking our way. And God has created the tabernacle, created the temple, has given the vision to Ezekiel of a future day to communicate to us the way back to Eden. When Yeshua, when Jesus is dying on the cross and he breathes his last, we know the story. This veil is separated. The imagery, the message, the calling to us is, there is a way back to Eden. There is a way back to the garden. There is a way to go through, to pass the cherubim, the outer curtain, the inner curtain, into the most intimate place with God. And there's where his tree of life is that we can take and live forever. I would encourage you as we talk about going inside the tabernacle to look at the imagery, to understand this is why Ezekiel said, when they hear about it, they will be reminded that we rejected God. We drove ourselves out from the garden. We separated ourselves from the tree of life and God in his love and his mercy, through his son Yeshua, through Jesus the Messiah, has made a way back past the chair to the tree. Avino our Father, our King. We just thank you for your wisdom, your mercy, all that you have placed the imagery. And God, I pray that as we continue to listen and look and watch and go through and talk about this tabernacle and talk about the things that are there, that our eyes will be opened, our hearts will be lit on fire within us to understand and know and dig deeper into your truth, that we will see It's not just a curtain. It's not just a pole. It's not just a box. It's not just a place where fire exists. It's not just where incense rises. That you are communicating the depth of your love, the plan for your kingdom, what it means to serve and to walk with you daily. That you are calling us back to Eden. Help us to see it, Father. Thank you for making the way, showing us, giving us these examples. It's in your son's name, Jesus the Messiah, we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening to The Whole Testament. We're on Apple Podcasts and Spotify, so share the show with your friends and family. Be sure also to leave a rating and review. We're now on YouTube, so smash that like button. You can also find all our episodes on our website at thewholetestament.com. We'll see you next time. Dave, Frank, and Kevin.